0: You're listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. Hey, happy third birthday, everybody. Thank you. Something else could happen. The Mets clinch the division. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I'm glad I have some sports fans in this church. I'm not alone by myself. (laughs) Yesterday I was celebrating in my living room by myself, just clapping. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Hey, so here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about tribes today. Uh, I want to talk about what tribes are. uh, I want to talk about the fact that we are a tribe. That's what I want to do. Um... I read this book by Seth Godin, it's called Tribes, and it's a really good book, and you should read it too. Uh, And I learned a lot from it, but you know, tribes are these groups of people that think alike, okay? They're groups of people that think alike, they have the same customs, they have the same values, they're usually led by someone, okay? So there's a lot of of, uh, different tribes, a lot of people that make up different tribes. Our church is a tribe, okay? We are a tribe, all right? Our Christianity is a tribe. When you read the Old Testament, we're reading about a group of people, the Israelites, who are trying to relate to God and learning about how God relates to them. They are a tribe. Jesus Christ comes, and he, is, uh, he dies, he's resurrected, and new churches start. They are tribes. So we have these tribes in our bloodline. They're, they're part of us. We are a tribe, okay? Uh, tribes are everywhere. I think we know this. We live in New York City where tribes are, are, are literally everywhere. The fact that we're from New York, we're a tribe. Seriously. Because, like, when people talk to us, we're like, you know, where are you from? We're from New York. Like, we say in a certain way because we're part of a tribe. Uh, you know, in, in New York, you, there's, there's a tribe for everything. You absolutely have a tribe for everything. In New York, if you want to tr- find a, a tribe for, I don't know, people who go ice fishing at Gunpowder Falls on February 17th, you will find that. Okay? Uh, if you want a tribe for people who wear red hats on a Tuesday, you will find that tribe. I was looking at the Javits Center recently. And uh, there is a National Sports Mascot Convention. That is a tribe, okay? That's a tribe. So tribes are everywhere. There are these tribes. They, they, they are for us. There's another tribe. It's called the American Society for uh, Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Have you ever heard of this tribe before? You ever heard of them? ASPCA. Uh, now the SPCA is what they're called now. Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. He, uh, they are absolutely a tribe. They're a good tribe. Um, is anybody a part of them? Anybody? Okay, nobody. Okay, well, anyway, they, they do good things. I really believe that. Um, did you know they started off? They started off killing cats and dogs. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That goes against their name, right? Yeah. Prevention of cruelty to animals. It seems like death is cruelty, but like that's what they started off doing. So, in fact, when the ASPCA started, they killed about uh, about three million or to four million cats and dogs um, to try to keep the pet population, um, you know, uh, w- without going crazy. Uh, so. That happened. So there was this guy who was working for the, uh, the ASPCA at the time. His name was Nathan Winograd. Nathan Winograd, uh, he, said, he said, you know, I, I may not be certain, but, but it seems like if we're called the American Society for Prevention of Cruelty, that we should probably stop killing animals. Is there a better way that we can do this? And the tribe said, the ASPCA said, no. In fact, you're being a little ridiculous. Right now, you don't understand it. If you decide not to kill these animals, they're going uh, to take over America. We're going to be under-resourced. We could cause some potentially dangerous situations to occur. So no, um, no, we're not going to listen to you. And so Nathan Winograd went about his business. <clears throat> and here's the thing about tribes. Here's the thing about what Nathan Winograd did. Tribes are there to keep us safe. They keep us safe. And so when somebody comes in and gives us a new idea about what the tribe looks like, and they say, well, what about this or what about that? We don't want to say yes to that because a tribe keeps us certain. A tribe keeps us with similar expectations. A tribe is consistent. A lot of times we even speak the same language in a tribe because a tribe, we want our tribe to keep us safe. So don't introduce anything new to our tribe. We want safety. Okay, that's what tribes are for. Tribes are for safety. I used to be a part of another tribe, uh, when I was in college, uh, I followed the band Fish around. Anybody, anybody ever do that? I am just striking out in terms of people like nobody does anything I, anyway. Uh, I did that, um, and I did that in college. I was a Fishhead. That was my tribe. Um, now listen, if I were to stand up here today and I were to dance the way I danced at Fish shows, ninety percent of you would walk out. You would you would leave because you'd be embarrassed for me. You'd be very embarrassed. Um, but if I were to do that at a fish show, um, not only would I be doing it, and not only would be, people would be looking at me and going like, wow, yeah, but, but other people would be doing it too. It would be a safe thing, it would be a safe place, right? That's my point, it's safe, okay? Some things that aren't safe, other places are safe within the tribe. Um, at church, we're at church. Worship was incredible today, by the way. Worship was absolutely incredible, and I saw some of us, and we were singing, and you know, we were raising hands. I love that, I love that. What if we were to go into our offices on Tuesday and we sat in the board meeting and all of a sudden we were just like singing and raising hands? Like, (laughs) it would be weird, right? But in our tribe, in our tribe, it's okay. This is an okay thing to do. Tribes keep us safe. There's safety in our tribe, which made what Nathan Winograd did so dangerous because what he was doing to his tribe was he was trying to create a little bit of chaos in his tribe. He was trying to get them to think differently, to think outside, you know what, I want to do for our church today? I want to create a little bit of chaos for us today. You guys want to create a little chaos? All right, let's do it. Hey, we're in our We Are series. We're in our We Are series, which means we're talking about the things that we are, the things that divine, uh, d- define us. Uh, we're talking about our DNA. And when we talk about our DNA, uh, we have this giant, big, bold, audacious vision to see lives and neighborhoods in this city restored and renewed through Jesus Christ. That's what we say. And then we say there are four ways that we do that, four things we want to be known by. You guys said them before. Generosity, which we'll do next week when we go serve. Uh, We talked about humility. We talked about community. Today we're talking about diversity. And if we are truly going to be known for diversity, we're going to create a little chaos. All right. Here's the deal on paper. I'm gonna tell you what our church looks like on paper. On paper, we skew as a more diverse church in evangelical America. So we should probably pat ourselves on the back for that, right? I don't know, I don't know. I think we can, maybe a little bit. But so we do. We, we skew that way. In fact, this is what we say about our church. We say everyone has infinite worth and everyone is created in the image of God and everyone has a unique story to tell. And we're committed to creating a multicultural community that actively celebrates and embraces our differences for the glory of Christ. That's great. So we, 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 if you look at us on paper, we're doing that. But if I'm telling the truth, if I'm being a bit of a truth teller today, I'm more than happy to have a multicultural community as long as everybody likes the same thing I like. I'm, I'm more than happy to have a multi multicultural community as long as everybody's in the same life stage I'm in and as long as everybody makes right around the same amount of money that, that I make and, and as long as everybody, uh, I'm, you know, has not struggled with, like, really severe mental illness. Because if you have, like, I don't care if you're multicultural, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable, you know? And, and so what I'm saying is I'm happy to be a multicultural church. I really am to have really diverse people as long as you're doing what I want you to do and what I like you to do. And the truth is... I think this is the way our tribe operates. And right now you might be saying, not me, Jonathan, that's your problem, not mine. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is my problem. Um, maybe, Maybe this is just my little division within the tribe, right? Here's what I want you to do. Pull out your phones. Everybody, right now, take them out. I'll take mine out too, just to make everybody feel good. I got it out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your text area. Do it. Go to your text area right now. And I want you to look at the last 10 people that you texted or who texted you. Get your family out of there. You can't choose your family. Family out of there. I just got a fresh text. Anyway. I want you to look. (laughs) I just got it. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the last 10 people who texted you. Go ahead and do that right now. And I want you to tell me how many of these people... The last 10 that texted you, how many of them uh, have a different personality than you? If you took the, 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 um, the Myers-Briggs test that Forefront put on Facebook, I'm an ENTJ. I like to hang out with other extroverts. Um, but you know, if I'm looking at my list, there are other people who aren't maybe the same personality. How many people uh, on this list, as I'm scrolling down, I'm looking at the same thing. How many people on this list um, are in a different life stage? How many people, on your, if you're single, how many people are married on this list or have kids? If you're, if you're married, how many people are, are single on this list? Maybe a little less. How many people uh, on your list uh, make significantly less or significantly more money than you do? And maybe your friends don't have jobs, but their parents have money, and parent, their parents give them money. How many people make significantly more or significantly less than you? How many people have a different ideology than you have, have a different life view than you have? Some people are just putting their phones away because they're like, all right, I get the point. <laughs> I get the point. I think if we look at our phones, here's my guess. My guess is that the majority of us are the same as me. We have our big tribe, and our big tribe is amazing, but we've created a little divisions within the tribe based on our preferences, based on what makes us feel comfortable, based on life stages and everything else. And so what are we going to do to actually be a truly diverse church? What do we have to do if that's the case? Because I think we're all in the same boat. Well, I'm going to tell us to look at our Bibles, because we're in church today, that's what we do. So let's look in our Bibles, and let's go to Corinthians, and I want to talk about Corinthians. Corinthians, it's an interesting city, because it actually actually was was completely blown up and torn apart, and so at the time, we were talking about this new church, this new church in Corinth, um, uh, it it was this really diverse kind of transient transplant city. So you didn't have a lot of natives. You had all these people coming from all these different areas, okay? So very much like New York in that sense, right? Uh, I thought that was interesting, and so this church starts. And this church is very much, you know, I have to, I always say it mirrors our church. Like again, a lot of transplants, a lot of different people coming from a lot of different places. And yet in this church, there's a bunch of these little divisions happening, little preferences, little tribes within the tribe. In fact, this is what Paul says about these tribes within the tribes. He says, so don't boast about following a particular human leader for everything belongs to you. Whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death and present and future, everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. What's going on? In, in, in Corinth, there's this church and they're saying, well, well we're different, but, but really we need this tribe because over here we follow Apollos. Who's Apollos? Apollos was the it speaker of the day. He was like this incredible speaker who would come around to all these churches, and everybody loved him. Uh, he was the one that like blew everybody's minds when he spoke. Like if you are familiar with church in New York City, he was like the Tim Keller. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like he was that guy. Somebody was like, "How come you don't preach like Tim Keller?" <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, so that's who he was. And so people were like, I like Apollos because I get the most from him and I really understand this whole Jesus thing because of Apollos. And then other people were like, but Peter, Peter's our guy because Peter was with Jesus. And if we want to know the right dogma and the right doctrine and the right orthodoxy here, then we hang out with Peter because Peter, Peter was actually there with Jesus. So that's who we got to hang out with. And then a whole nother group is going, yeah, but Paul started this church. And so we want to make sure that we are loyal to Paul. And so we have these divisions based on preferences, not so much on culture, not 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 so much on, on, uh, you know, standing in life, but on preference, on what makes somebody comfortable. And Paul comes along and he goes, no. No, you don't get it. You don't get it. You are all one. In Christ, or all one in Christ, that's what he says. He says, in Christ, there's no more of these little preferences, these little divisions. It's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be difficult. You are supposed to battle that. You're supposed to do it as one. And then he goes on, and he goes to uh, Corinthians 12, and he talks about the body. He uses this metaphor, this body metaphor. um, You know, hey, uh, we're all different parts, but we are one body. And you guys know how I like to do context and historical context and everything else. What you see is what you get with this passage there is nothing that Paul is doing that's theologically different. This is, he is saying, you can be a part of the body, but if you're not working with anybody else, you're not going to work. 20-somethings, we could be a bunch of eyeballs, right? A bunch of 20-somethings, and we're never gonna be able to see because we're unwilling to attach ourselves to, to the other people and the other people in different life stages and people who are doing other things. So we're just a bunch of eyeballs sitting around that looks disgusting, and that we can't see anything, you know, people who are in a different life stage, people who, who are, are married with kids. You know, if we just hang out with the people who are married with kids, we're, we're like a bunch of legs. We're just a bunch of, I mean, we're a bunch of legs. We're not connected to anything else. There's no way we can walk. We look like a bunch of broken mannequins. That's what we look like. People who love Donald Trump, you're just a bunch. Uh, stop there. Stop <sighs> there. I try not to get political, I just don't like, I'm sorry guys, this is the second time in a row I've talked about (laughs) Trump. But anyway, you see my point, you see my point, my point is this, my point is, um, my point is that, you know, for us to divide in our tribe based on preference, it doesn't do anything but Divide. It doesn't do anything but hurt. It doesn't do anything but exclude. It doesn't do anything but create policies that say we need to have, uh, you know, uh, walls put on our borders. It doesn't do anything but create uh, policies that say separate but equal. It doesn't do anything but say that there are people who are denied basic human rights because of who they are, because of their gender, or for whatever other reason, their, their race. This is what it does when we create little divisions based on preferences. And sure, tribes are good, but do we want to do it at the expense of exclusion, and do we want to do it at the expense of hurting others, and do we want to do it at the expense of telling others that Christ is not there for them that there is no Christ that's the question and that's the question I have for us today but we're in church. And so there is good news at this church. There's good news in our church. And there's good news because I've seen it at our church. I've seen it in the three years that we've been around. Here's the good news. And here's what Paul's saying to them when he talks about this one body, this unified body. And here's what's happening. Here's, here's what, what it, this is. This is the first religion. We are the only religion. We are the only tribe that is actually, when it comes down to it, pan tribal. Okay? We're the only tribe that's actually pan tribal. We are the only tribe. We're the only tribe that says it doesn't matter who your mama is. You're allowed to come here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. You're allowed to come here. It doesn't matter what your preference is. You are here. It doesn't matter who you are. You're allowed to be here. And not only are you allowed to be here, but there's a Jesus Christ who died and was resurrected and has grace for you. That is what our tribe says. That is how we're unified. And we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. We just got to bring a little chaos. So how do we bring Chaos. You know what Nathan Winograd did at the ASPCA? He, uh, he, he went to some animal lovers in San Francisco and he said, uh, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, but it seems to me there's a better way to do this. And the animal lover said, yeah, there's a better way to do this. We'll get our animal lover friends, and we'll adopt the animals in San Francisco instead of killing them. What do you think about that? And he goes, that sounds great to me. And so in San Francisco, they, they, you know, they cut their uh, kill rate by like three quarters, and all these animals were adopted. And then uh, people in New York found out about it, and they were like, we want to hire you. And so he went to New York, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what I'm doing. Here's what happened in San Francisco. I want to hear from you guys. What do you think that we can do to, to help uh, you know, this animal population without having to kill them? In New York, he created a new plan in New York, and it cut the kill rate by a ton. And Then he did the same thing in North Carolina, and he took this posture of saying, hey, I'm not sure what you guys can do here. Not, I don't know what's best, but I'm willing to listen. Tell me what you guys have done. And, and since that time, Nathan Winograd has created, uh, um, and don't, this is not, I don't know how factual this is. I, I read it on Wikipedia, but he's created uh, 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 the world's largest group of no-kill shelters, Uh, yeah, throughout the world, which is pretty incredible, right? And why? Why did he create it? Because he went around and he he said, you know what, my tribe, there's something that's not working. Maybe I'm not the one to sit here and tell you I know, but I'm the one that can listen. I'm the one that can listen and figure it out. So here's what I want us to do. If we're going to be this unified tribe, this unified tribe, when we look at our phone, our phone looks like a mishmash of everyone. If we're going to be that tribe... Here's what I want us to do. I want us to, to say, ultimately, that we know that we do not know. We know that we do not know. This author, Chris Vink, he talks about four types of people. I'm going to talk about three of them right now. The first group of people are people that know that they know. You know who knows that they know? Football coaches. They know that they know. They say, you know, you never hear a football coach go, I wasn't sure about the plan. No, they go, we had a game plan, and we blah, blah, blah. And They know that they know. Right? Generals know that they know okay? There's a second group of people. This group of people, they don't know that they don't know. I'm the most frustrated with this group of people. They think that they know. That's another way of saying it. They don't know they don't know. This is teenagers, okay? We, we, we were teenagers. Remember when we were teenagers and we all thought that we knew everything and we were idiots? Remember that? That was funny. Um, you don't know that you don't know. Uh, if you move to New York the people that move to New York that think they're like I'm I'm the best singer ever and I'm going to be famous and I'm the greatest thing ever and then six months later they're like oh I hate New York those are the people that don't know what they don't know right they think they know but then there's a third group of people right this third group of people uh, a lot of times they've been pushed or they've been pulled or they have had to move in or out of their own tribes and maybe they've had a, a life change experience they've gotten married they have had a child they've experienced heartbreak they've lost a job they've gained a job And so something has happened in their lives where they go, wait a second, this isn't what I thought it would look like. It's different than what I actually know. And this group knows, they know that they don't know. They know that they don't know. Nathan Winograd knew that he didn't know, but he said there might be a better way. But there is a better way. We know that we don't know. Okay, If we look around this room with different experiences, with different preferences, I have no idea what it feels like to be an INTJ. I have no idea what it feels like to be introverted. I'm clueless with that. I sit in a room by myself for a half hour. I start crying because I'm bored. I don't know. But I can find out. I can listen. I can find out. I don't know, but I can find out. Uh, There's this uh, woman who's a blogger who's an incredible activist. Her name is Austin Channing. and She's a black woman who will talk on and on about black oppression. And I love listening to her because I don't know. I'm a white man. I have no clue but I can find out, I can find out, and it brings unity, it brings unity, there was somebody who emailed me a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago at our church, and they said to me, hey, uh, your church is nothing like my church at home, my church at home, I really understood where I, where I stand, you know, I, 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 it felt very secure, and this church doesn't feel as secure, because you're exploring a lot more scripture, and you're doing things that I'm not used to, but I'm here. I'm here because this is interesting to me and, and I think I might be learning more about who God is in my life and I don't know, but I'm willing to find out. I don't know, but I'm willing to find out. There's some friends of ours at this church who have had incredible health issues and the thing that I have been most, just I've been thrilled about this is the fact that so many of you are saying, I don't know you and I know you're going through incredible health issues, but I'm willing to help. I'm willing to find out. These things create unity. This creates the body. This creates us being one in Christ. I know that I don't know, but I'm willing to find out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put somebody on the spot. This is one of my favorite people at church, Jonathan Judge, and I don't get too political. I really don't, uh, except for the Donald Trump thing. Um, <laughs> but, but, but Jonathan is a, a Republican. He's part of the Young Republicans, and it's safe to say in New York, he's a minority here. And... Uh, and the thing I love about Jonathan, the thing that the reason all of you should get to know him is because he will always engage in the most gracious and respectful of ways. He has this opinion that sometimes is very different than other people's opinions, but he's willing to listen. And, and, and he really is a person who is saying, you know, okay, you listen, I'm going to listen. And he's, it's amazing. He's like, I don't know sometimes. And I'm willing to find out. And what ends up happening is when people listen to Jonathan, you end up going, I didn't know that. And I'm glad I'm finding out. And it creates unity in the church. So go say hi to Jonathan when you're done. It creates unity in the church. It creates the body. That's what it does. So we have this option, right? We have this option. We can be this church on a piece of paper that's multicultural. And we can do that, and that's fine. And we'll skew towards you know, more of the diverse side, and that's great. But are we really diverse? Are we really diverse? Is our tribe really pan-tribal? Are we really bringing the good news that says, that says, you know what? Uh, uh, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We are all one. We are unified. So here's what I want us to do. First of all, say you know that you don't know. Then eyeballs, go talk to the legs, okay? Legs, go talk to the arms. Arms, talk to the brain. We're going to go out to Atlantic Antic right now. There are almost a million people that are going to be out there that have different ideas, different thoughts, different stories, different experiences, Are we going to be the church? Are we going to bring unity? Are you ready to bring unity? Are you ready to bring a little chaos? Here's what I can promise you. It's going to be the hardest thing we ever do, the most challenging thing we ever do, the most life-changing thing we ever do. We're three years old today. I can't wait to see where we're when we're six and nine and then do your three times tables for the rest. (laughs) Let's be a church. That goes beyond the tribe, that is pan-tribal, that says there is good news in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that is that we are all one regardless. Amen? Let's pray. <sighs> Heavenly Father, um, help us to, to be humble and to say we don't know. Heavenly Father, help us to hear the stories of others. Help us to find out the experiences of others, and then help us to invest in those stories and those experiences and those lives. And Lord, it's scary to do that. It's scary to change up the people that we spend time with. And so uh, when we don't get it right, just show us the grace that we need to move forward one step at a time. Lord, thank you so much for this church, for the call you've given each and every one of us. And Lord, give us the strength to live out this call daily. Pray us in your name. Amen.